Hey friends, theologues, relatives, this is Eric DeLang, and you're listening to Theologcast. Today on the show, I have a very special guest, Cam Thiessen. Cam Thiessen is a biblical studies major at Trinity Western University, and he has a lot of really great thoughts, and he has been accused on this very podcast of being a heretic, and so we had to have him on. He uh, speaks about a number of wonderful things, including Christianity and capitalism. We go into a little bit of Christ and culture and how can a Christian watch American Beauty and is that a beneficial thing for a Christian? And then we talk about his heresy for a good last 20 minutes. So it's a really good episode. I think you're really going to love it and um, I can't wait to hear what you think. Uh, Please comment and share if you like it. Without further ado, here he is, the man of the hour, Cam Thiessen. So the, so the first three questions we start out with every time is the simple questions, who are you, why are you here, and where are you going? Okay. So you can answer those as literally or as cosmically as you like. Sweet. Wow. Who? Well, I am Cam Thiessen, and... Um, that's me. I think a name is fair enough of an answer to <laughs> yeah. who are you. I like that. Um, if you want to know more about who I am. What's Cam got, mean? Well, Cam is short for Cameron, which um, is a Gaelic word for crooked nose. Or like, really? it's also been used more uh, metaphorically in like the terms of uh. a bent river. So... I guess my parents thought I'd be flawed from the beginning. <laughs> my middle name is David, so they were like, I like the sound of Cameron, but we need to give him a biblical name, too. <laughs> so so we, we called his middle name David. It doesn't sound as good. It's not as aesthetic as Cameron, but it's got more meaning. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. David, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lion, just killing lions with a staff. Yeah, he's, he's a cool guy. Killing giants with a with a sling, with a sling. cutting people's head, heads off, yeah. foreskins and stuff. Yeah, getting married like a million times. Yeah, still believing in true love, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Michael wasn't she was like he was like all about Michael, wasn't he? He was all about the women. He's <laughs> yeah. he's a ladies' man. He's a king. So, so that's who of, you are. No, well, yeah, well, no, <laughs> just Cam, you know. Yeah. You can, yeah. Who I am is like summed up in a lot of different conversations. But, yeah. Um, we'll other, other questions are why are you Why here? am I here? Well, like, I go to this school. I came to this school to learn about biology so that I could go to med school. And then I was taking a minor in Christianity and culture. And I was like, these RELS classes speak to me a lot more than these biology classes. And, Dropped out of pre-med and became a biblical studies major and realized I really missed doing music, so went into a music minor. And What year was that when you made that was music? That was halfway through my first year, so not too late. Nice, yeah, right away. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've been in that ever since. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, cool. Yeah, so I'm here because I chose the biblical studies program here over... Um, biblical studies at Briarcrest or worship studies at Briarcrest, basically. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good program. Yeah, it's just I like this school. I like. I like um, 
the way they approach biblical ac- academics here. Um, the profs are very willing to push students to explore new ideas and concepts and not afraid to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And for someone who was always uncomfortable with what most people are comfortable with, that was very refreshing for me. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that mostly, I think. I want to talk about biblical studies and um, uh, historical critical methods. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and all of that good stuff. Sweet. But before that, where are you going? Um, well, I am going... As of immediate sense, um, I'm going to Victoria this summer to play music with Sarah Williams. Um, we've got some gigs lined up out there. Link. What's the link? Uh, we don't have a link yet. We need to like market our band yeah. like super ASAP because we got hired before we were technically a band. <laughs> um, and that's kind of scary stuff. Okay, but. but there's nowhere if people want to find out about this tour, where can they go? Um, like It'll be coming up on Facebook soon. Cool. But is it Sarah and the Hunters on Facebook, or is you it can probably Sarah look. Ray? You can probably look up Sarah and the Hunters, and then whatever we do, we'll probably post on that page. Cool. Um, so yeah, that was the band, but it's just me and Sarah for the summer. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Wow, that'd be great to her. Yeah. And you yeah. play? I play guitar, ukulele. She's piano, guitar, ukulele. That's so good. We'll both sing. It'll be good. That's awesome. You get some other musicians on. One more year at Trinity then after this? One more year at Trinity in my undergrad and then hopefully Masters in Biblical Studies at Trinity. Masters in Biblical Studies. Yeah. So we're listening to a Master of Biblical Studies, future Master of Biblical Studies. Hopefully. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Provided things go well. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So tell me um, one thing that you learned this year that blew your mind about the Bible. Oh, man. There's there's so many things. Um, I think my biggest, like, holy crap moment, and this wasn't, like, something that blew my mind about the Bible entirely, but just blew my mind about, like, where different authors were coming from was uh, my Hebrews, cla- Hebrews prophets class. Um, and just learning about how the di- where the different prophets were kind of coming from, kind of what their opinions were, what they focused on. So I wrote a paper on Amos, and Amos is supposedly the oldest prophet uh, prophet, um, or the kind of the first of the um, of the classical prophets in the Bible. Um, so he's speaking around 750 A.D. during kind of this lull in um, Israel's kind of history of war. So they're not really at war with anyone. Um, there's impending war coming up soon. Um, they don't really know about it yet, and they're wealthy, um, divided kingdom. And, like, there's definitely this, like, economic disparity where um, there's this rich ruling class kind of, even, even like a rich middle class sort of, and then there's a lot of poor people who are the, you know, the working class that are being exploited, they're being sold into slavery if they can't pay off debts. And Amos, this cute little book, um, most scholars think that it was written by Amos or somebody dictating from Amos's original words and then edited twice. So edited first um, by a priest likely at uh, Bethel, where one of the places where he's preaching, and then um, a third um, editor, most likely in uh, Babylon during the exile. So um, yeah, that's that's something that um, kind of sets the backdrop for that. And Amos is basically like, 
Um, you guys are amassing all this wealth. You're selling the poor for money. And, you know, you're trampling on the heads of human beings. Um, he, he calls out, like, the wives of some of these rich, young, or rich rulers. Um, I use the, the term rich young ruler because I also like relating it to that story oh, yeah, okay. with Jesus. Um, but the rich rural, rulers, um, and he basically s- calls these um, wives cows, um, the fattest cows in the nation, the cows of Bashan, he calls them. And they're like trampling on the heads of the poor. So you get like this picture of these fat cows who are the wives of these rich men um, in this rich business class. Oh, and. Man just sitting on these poor people. Wow. And, like, Amos is like, stop it. Like, you guys are neglecting God's law. Who cares if you um, participate in all these festivals, if you, um, you know, bring your sacrifices? God doesn't really care about that at all if you're not, you know, caring for his creation and his most beloved creation being um, humanity, right? Right. So, and specifically his, his people, the nation of Israel. So, that was really cool where the more more and more I find myself struggling to advocate for capitalism when I read the Bible yeah okay um, I think that yeah there's a lot of places in the Bible where I see people amassing wealth and then not helping the poor yeah and you know God's God's messengers are like we need to be making sure these people are brought up and there's no conditions there it's just like stop hurting the poor yeah Support them and God's law being, you know, care for the poor. Yeah, exactly. I like that. So I like particularly um, this this question. It's a very um, popular and very important question Mm. in our society because, um, of course, there's sort of the caricature in our society of the Christian right has sort of Mm -hmm. aligned and it's been very social, uh, socially conservative. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and economically. Uh, liberal, just laissez-faire kind yeah, of, you know, yeah. and um, and that's the the religious right, and that's and that's really really too bad. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So so what what do you think what do you think a biblical picture of politics is? Because because the well, question, well, that's a that's the thing is the biblical picture of politics is monarchy. Oh right, right. Yeah, so yeah. I mean. Like, straight up, we, we can't really talk about democracy when it comes to, like, what is the biblical picture of politics? Because it's, it's monarchy. They've got kings, you know? I mean, they had judges for a while, but the judges were essentially, you know, they weren't democratic in their procedures of, of you know, politics. So it's very difficult to, to talk about how should we be going about politics in a democratic, you know, society based yeah. on what we know from the Bible. And I see... I see, you know, I see Jesus, act, you know, actively speaking out for, you know, the low class cast out, cast out people, you know, yeah. and and I, I say like, regardless of whether or not this is represented re- represented in our um, pol- political system, it has to be represented in how we individually live. Okay, yes. so capitalism is fine; it works to a degree, but it, it only works with a Christian ethic if we are uh, amassing our wealth and then actually distributing it. And not just distributing wealth by saying, here, take it, government, take it, you know, charities, but actually, like, putting it to use and being active participants in, um, like, advocating for those groups. Um, 
because we can, you know, we can throw money at things all we want. It's not going to change things, right? Um, for Amos, one of the biggest things was just like treat your workers well. You know, like um, don't take more than what you need. You've got like these vineyards that aren't being used, and yet you have like guys toiling on them. You've got these, you know, second summer homes basically. You've got these rulers who have like homes in random other places that they never use, which are made up of like really expensive materials and it's all just material gain there's not there's no there's no true value in it in the end yeah i I think and and we see that in the in the fact that i mean ultimately um israel is is plundered and exiled into babylon they're left with nothing right so this idea of and that's that that you would say is a direct cause of you know their exploitation of the poor well this is god's kind of punishment for well i would say that that was what the prophets um, thought was was the, the cause absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't speak for the actual heart of God, the Lord himself. but I can speak for what I've read. Yeah, and I can speak for you know how I I understand those authors. Cool. Yeah. So, okay, so so it sounds like then then Christianity is compatible with capitalism as long as Christianity is not like an advocate. absolutely Christianity yeah. is compatible yeah. with monarchy yeah but we look at monarchy now and we're like that's not right we need democracy we need yeah. everybody to have an equal voice right yeah um, and I totally agree with that I think that is a really good value that we have in our in our modern society democracy absolutely yeah. I think that just because um, you know just because the the Israelites worshiped Yahweh does not mean that you know socially they had it together at all. Right. I think that, you know, they're a very screwed up ancient society who is developing. I think we're, as far as the modern world is concerned, I think we're on our way. We're, we're not going backwards, I don't think. There's still some things about humanity which are really, really effed up. Yes. But we are, I don't think we're going backwards too far. What, is, what does the Bible have to say specifically to our culture today then, politically, socially? Hmm. Um, you mentioned already, you know, the modern capitalism. Yeah, yeah. Amos speaks directly to modern capitalism. Yeah. Um, what are, what are like you say, our society's moving forward. Some things are effed up. Which of those effed up things do you think the Bible speaks can speak directly to, toward? Well, I think all of them, because I, th- I, I think ultimately it comes down to how much are we loving each other? Um, how much, what is our capacity to love each other? Um, and how do we, how, do we know what love is? Do we know... Like, how to express it? Do we know um, how to prioritize it? Um, And so for me, like, I have to look at, like, individual relationships in my life, but also just, like, when I'm walking downtown Vancouver, you know, and I I see a guy on on the street, like, if he walk, if he talks to me or if he asks me for some change, like, what, how am I going to engage in that situation? Some people would be like, oh, you can't give anything, he's just going to spend it on booze or he's going to, you know, spend it on some, on drugs or something like that, right? But, like, in that interaction, am I showing love, right? And then in the long term, am I remembering that interaction and am I applying it to what my priorities are, right? Um, Amos isn't saying don't amass wealth. He's saying what are your priorities? And the way that you've amassed wealth and the way that you've spent it shows that your priorities aren't straight. Cool. And so... so the Bible is, uh, you would say, uh, along with Augustine, 
you know, is is advocating for rightly ordered love. Absolutely. Like that's, what, Absolutely. that's what's going on. Yeah, here. yeah. Love God, love your neighbors. Yeah. And that is always relevant. Love your enemies. And your enemies, yes. And that is always relevant, and that always speaks yeah, yeah. to current socioeconomic Absolutely. Crises. And that's why I think, on a base level, and I've advocated for this, and everyone's like, but isn't that, like, sort of also atheism? I think that humanism works perfectly yeah. with, a, with a Christian worldview. Um, I... I I say that I am a Christian humanist um, because I don't think that Jesus was not a humanist. I think Jesus had this idea of of value uh, of humanity, right? I mean, we're made in the image of God, right? Every person you see around you, that guy on the street, you know, your, your friend, your girlfriend, every person is made in the image of God, right? We're broken images, but like, there's something extremely intrinsically valuable about a human being. Mm. So. And, that, and, that's, and that's incredibly biblical. Yeah, yeah that's, totally. That's a really good point. Where do you think, uh, on the whole, then, where do you think society is missing this? Like, especially Christian society. Like, what is Christian society um, not doing or not getting about the Bible that they need to get, they need to start mm-hmm. getting. I think everyone would say love your neighbor, but like, what oh. are we doing wrong yeah. in our application? To be honest with you, like the whole concept of the American dream, kind of, which has kind of come out of this, even this idea of like the Protestant work ethic, right? Yeah. Like where you, you work to, you know, you work to, to live, right? Yeah. You work to gain your money so that you can relax on the weekends, yeah. right? And that's kind of, um, how we've been trained to think as, you know, as, as, as a Western society is you, you get a job, you, you know, you get educated so you can get a good job that you like doing, you get your money, you buy things that make you happy, you keep your family fed, and you just keep living. You, yeah. live, for, you live for the weekends. You take a vacation yep. once yep. or twice nice a year. Nice right? things for your family. And there's no sense of purpose there, right? The pur- our purpose is very... Um, enclosed it's our family it's the people that we are already naturally expected to love and care about right and so we don't see that guy on the street and say that guy is you know that guy's my priority right now Mm. we don't see that because because he's just another person in this world of you know seven billion billion plus people and he's not our family and so we're just going to stick up for for the people who who are close to us um the problem is just some people don't have that. So I think if we were able to externalize our purpose a little bit more, look around us and say, you know, what's something that I can do that's actually going to impact lots of people? Right. Not just impact myself, not just impact, you know, a company that I'm working for, yeah. but maybe I could work for a company that's impacting lots of people in a positive yeah. way, right? And always have that in, our, in the back of our minds. How am I, how is what I'm doing now impacting, you know, humanity in a positive way in a positive yeah so 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 moving from the nuclear family kind of kind of you know focusing on the family yeah yeah uh, as james dobson would have us yeah to focusing on the world and the absolutely and being salt and light in in, in yeah. the world and, and and training i think also if if we're gonna have a family train train our kids to to look around them hmm. you know don't like i was trained as a kid and and you know i love my parents my parents have built me into somebody who I'm glad to be. Um, But I was trained as a kid to to look at the secular world and and turn away. You know? It wasn't wasn't study that and learn about it. It was, that's bad. Here's what we're teaching you. This is good. Yeah. Right? Turn away from that. Yeah. Um, 
and and so I, I guess through that it was hard for me to get to get out of this mindset of of the the things that my family is teaching me are you know what's right and kind of other things don't matter I should be afraid of those things I should be afraid of the outside world afraid of secularism I should be you know afraid of music that isn't Christian kind yeah. of things like that I should be afraid of movies with nudity in it you know yeah. and like if we don't um, explore you know those things and, and learn about why they exist if we don't understand where secular culture comes from and and see value in it and and want to positively impact it um, if we don't want to engage with it we're not going to change anything so are you familiar with the Niebuhr Christ and culture book have you read this no have you heard about this okay Apparently, he's got these different theories, Christ over culture, Christ yeah. in culture, yeah. Christ above culture, and I don't know them all either. Okay. But do you know do you know kind of the rough different categories? No, but if you gave okay. me some, I'd probably cool. be able to talk so I'll, about them. I'll give, you, I'll, give you, yeah, I'll give you three that I know of. Okay. The Christ, Christ against culture, right? All right. The, like your parents. Culture is evil. Yeah. Christ is good. Yeah. We're going to look at Christ. We're not going to yeah. look at culture. Then there's the second one was Christ. Uh, the, this is, I'm going back to high school for this, mm-hmm. so I could be off, but Christ transforming culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Culture is not altogether good or altogether bad. Yeah. Um, Christ is, uh, culture is, you know, it's malleable. In yeah, Christ, yeah. We're salt and light and Christ ought to transform it. And mm-hmm. then the third one, more liberal Christ in culture. And that would be, you know, I get just as much from watching uh, American Beauty as I get oh, from, I love that movie. from reading the Bible. I like, love that movie. Like God speaks everywhere absolutely we just need to so can uh, we talk about american beauty like i'm going to talk about this quickly but i just watched that movie you just like, watched twice it. in one week i loved it <laughs> okay yeah for the first great. time yeah <laughs> sure um but yeah. okay so christ against um christ against society is that christ against culture culture sure okay that's very biblical unfortunately mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and we can talk about how sometimes i read what's biblical and i go i don't know if this is actually what i agree with um yeah but it's very biblical. You read the Old Testament, and Yahweh is like, "This is, this is what I want you to be. You know, yes. I want you to be holy. I want you to be separate. Um, you're going to do these things. Here's here's the law. Here's the Torah. You're going to do these things. These things are going to set you apart from the nations. Right? Yeah. The nations are evil. You know, they're going to corrupt you. They are corrupted. Um, they worship idols, idiots." At, like that's essentially yeah. what the biblical authors yeah. are saying is like yeah. this is ridiculous they worship idols morons yes. you know yeah. Yeah. and like like don't be like them you know god is against them yahweh is for us right and and that this actually changes over the course of of the old testament narrative um as israel starts to lose its national identity through the exile right slowly it becomes yahweh the god of israel um into yahweh the god of all nations right and yeah where the you know the foreigners and the eunuchs were where, where does that start to start to shift because i know um, you talk about christ, the christ yeah so you you have you actually in, in deuteronomy so i i kind of there's this dichotomy in deuteronomy that talks about how like like foreigners and eunuchs are to be separated and and not to be part of god's people they'll never be included in god's people right they're to actually be cast out if yeah. you find them among you including eunuchs um, Including eunuchs. Oh, he mentions so foreigners and eunuchs. And it's oh, like, man. those poor, poor guys. Poor origin. Yeah. Do you know about yeah. founding no, exactly. origin? Yeah. He castrated himself. For he castrated himself. And that just gospel. goes against so much. So that's not a biblical move, origin. Yeah. So we find it in, in Isaiah. Um, is 
this I, shift. Yeah, and Isaiah is really cool because there's there's kind of three books to it, right? Uh-huh. One is pre-exilic, one is during uh-huh. the exile, and one is post-exilic. And roughly the chapters for those are, do you know? Um, so mm-hmm. 1 to 39 is the pre-exilic, 40 to 55 is during the exile, and then 56 and on is post-exilic. Yeah. So we call it 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, 3rd Isaiah, right? And what's interesting is... Um, First Isaiah is very depressing, very angry. Yeah, I was just, um, I was just thinking too. Isaiah forty is when it hit. I, Isaiah like forty it is like when you're like, awesome, <laughs> yeah, God's like, gonna redeem yeah. us. He's sending, Rest. he's sending the sir, the suffering servant, you know. And, and we have like the, this, like run and mount up. On yeah, the like eagles you know, and, like Zion's gonna return, and it's aw- it's sweet. Rest it's so comfort. exciting. Yeah. Um, but along with that, and along with, um, along with this promise for redemption, we actually have this post-exilic thing where not everyone's returned and Israel's still in shambles you know the temple's destroyed the you know the walls have to be rebuilt you know it's not a city anymore and so people are like where's the the returning glory of Zion right and so in in the those last chapters of Isaiah you actually kind of get this idea that um you know it's conditional not on are we you know grafted into the covenant um, because we see that that comes later if you read Romans, but are we um, are we following what God wants us to do? Are we obeying God's commands, right? And this is a ritual thing. It's not are we you know going to the temple all the time because we can't go to the temple anymore. It's destroyed, yeah. right? It's are we obeying the heart of God, okay. doing what the heart of God yeah. wants us to do? And and it's not just the na- just one nation anymore. Yeah. Anyone from any nation can obey the heart of God, can follow the will of God, and they will be redeemed. They will be saved, right? And this is starting already in Isaiah. In Isaiah, the third yeah, book of Isaiah. That's absolutely. Exciting. So, um, did Israel pick up on that? Slowly, okay, yeah. but not really. I mean, yeah. we read what we read the you know the force that Jesus came up against with the Pharisees, right, and yeah. you know even if you look at kind of this culture of Qumran with the Dead Sea Scrolls, like they were very much the whole world's evil. They're out to get us, and we're going to have this big huge battle with everybody. So they have no weapons or like skill in their pacifists. So, um, but so, yeah, yeah. So so you're saying um, this is probably kind of a a, a crass. Uh, applying this conversation to these these labels yeah but in a way it could be said that that this christ against culture uh biblical idea shifts yeah totally you know? and we start totally. to see christ in the other yeah you know? and, exactly and in, mm-hmm. in culture this thing that yeah we, in, and i think jesus totally counter totally counters the christ against culture idea and yeah. says no look at you know look at who was invited to this banquet yeah right look at look at all of these guests who are invite who are being invited to this banquet it's 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 everyone and if you want to talk about my heresy later yeah okay yeah no i can't, <laughs> I can't wait for that we'll, we and we'll, we're gonna get to the heresy. I'm so excited about the heresy <laughs> i had to pick one <laughs> yeah oh but you have one yeah i'm ready that's good oh, yeah. okay so we'll talk about so this is great we're in kind of the middle middle area now okay cool christ shifts from you know christ christ is saying you know it's no longer israel yeah yahweh versus everyone else yeah no the samaritan has it right more often than the the Levite, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So so Christ is kind of is reversing that paradigm, yeah. and and Paul does that too. Paul yeah. is like, you know, you Gentiles have been called the uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision. You know, like yeah. those who have declared themselves to be correct. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we do this as as modern Christians yeah. now, but like, 
you are, you know, you're saved in Christ. Rest in that, you know, be confident in that. Romans is, is this beautiful picture of, you know, the people of God being transformed into not Israel, but into the church, into, you know, Gentiles and Jews, right? Um, all, all reconciled, all wow. equally sinning. Wow. If we, if you yeah. read the, the first three chapters of Romans, all equally sinning, um, all having this history of rejecting God, of failing to worship God. Um, but God is renewing that, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're saved, we're justified. This is, this is awesome. And, that, and, the, so the, and then the thing that comes to my mind is that curtain being torn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, That's huge. God is everywhere. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Um, cool. So on that note, let's talk about American Beauty then. <sighs> what What is... Because I love that movie. Too. I love that yeah. movie. Since it came and, up. and I mean, people people just get turned off with it because it's like, oh, there's like a, a guy who's lusting over his daughter's friend. And, and it's like, that, that's, that's part of the movie. <laughs> and like, we have to recognize that like all of those characters are messed up. Yeah. And that's what's so sweet about it. You see, yeah. um, you see the guy with the camera. I can't remember any names when I watch yeah. a movie. But the guy with the camera who's filming yeah. um, the, the, main, the main girl. Um, he's filming her as she walks into her house yeah. with, with his camera. And yes. you're like, who is this creep, you yeah. know? Um, like, he's a total pedo. Like, he's yeah. gross. Yeah. But you get to know that character, and you see the, the way those two characters interact. And it's like, this, this is beautiful. They find you know? each other in their brokenness. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and the main character, Kevin Spacey's character, like, slowly kind of finds joy in things that he hasn't looked for joy in yeah. before, right? Um, he's he's finding beauty in new things, and of course, this is sparked by this kind of strange arousal from a young girl, yeah. which again is screwed up. But he's he's starting to see beauty around him, right? We have this beautiful kind of culmination at the end, where I think every character that we spend time with in that film has seen something beautiful in something broken. Yeah, right. And there's this beautiful and and horrific monologue. Yeah, where, where this yeah. this young creepy guy with the camera who we learn to love. Um, talks about seeing God in the eyes in the eyes of a frozen, a frozen dead, dead person. Woman, yeah. yeah, you see, you see the eyes of you see you know God in that moment. Yeah. God is staring talk at you. Talk about Christ in culture. Exactly, <laughs> and 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 like at the end of that film, when when um, Kevin Spacey's character does his monologue and he goes, you know, like one day, so will you see this, see it this way, right? Yeah, I right. I think like this is how how Christ is is forming us to see the world. You know, this is how Christ is is seeing us, right? We're no more or less screwed up than this guy lusting after a 16-year-old girl in his, you know, in his yeah. mid-40s. Yeah. We're no more screwed right. up than him. Yeah. We, but we're beautiful, yeah. you know? Every, every, everything about us is beautiful because God created us. Yeah. You know, God made us to be beautiful, and he sees us that way. He sees us without blemish, yeah. right? And, and that's the great, the great thing about the people that, that are, are profoundly... Um, averted or they just find a profound aversion to this movie you know yeah in, in many ways art is a mirror right so totally finding an immersion to an aversion they don't want to look at their own mm-hmm. depravity mm-hmm. or their own darkness and yeah this movie yeah. can in some way kind of force them to take a look at that mm-hmm. and i love the picture of, of this this bag being blown in the wind yeah. too kind of this i think that's also kind of like a picture of like the hand of god like in the end do we have a choice about the fact that we're this messed up yeah. You know, do we have, did we choose to be like this or is this just us? You know, there's still something beautiful about it, but wow. there's not really much we can do about our, our situation. So, so in, just to set it up, the, the, the bag blowing in the wind, yeah. a certain part where he films this kind of iconic family guy made fun of it. Yeah. There's this, 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 
this point where he just he filmed the most beautiful thing he's ever seen he said yeah and it was this plastic bag outside of in the back alley of some grocery store yeah. or something that was just blowing around in the wind and it was dancing, in circles yeah know, just, just dancing up around and down and yeah that was a moment of transcendence for him mm-hmm. and because he, he he saw beauty in something that some that most people would just be like this is just an everyday thing yeah but i think there's also like a lot trash. there's a lot of imagery in there right yeah. you know it's yeah it's just trash so you're saying we are the bag perhaps. absolutely yeah yeah we wow. can't, we can't, you know, choose not to be that. Yeah. You know, we can't choose not to be broken. We were born this way, right? Yeah. We were also born beautiful, and it's how you see it. You know, it's how you, it's the perspective you take. Yeah. And so I, th- I think that as Christians, we need to be like, you know, half, glass half full Christians. See the world the way that Christ sees it. This you know, is, see it for its beauty. Yeah, <laughs> this is so great. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of the rest of the lyrics. But baby, you're a firework. Dude. <laughs> this preaching can. Last time I heard that the, song was... The prophetic was, voice of Katy Perry. Last time I heard that song was watching that stupid interview movie. Yeah, the interview. That's the what worst. made me think of that, too. That's but that's terrible. so funny. Is she basing that off American Beauty? Or Maybe. Who knows, man? Uh, do you ever... But baby, you're a firework. Sorry, that that makes your point seem really silly. Yeah, but I no. I, I don't want to negate that point. I think I think I think maybe Katy Perry's onto something. Totally. Um, you're you're you may be be just a plastic bag blowing in the wind, but you're beautiful. Mm. And and you the prophetic eye to see, you know, you didn't choose being made of plastic. Uh, and of course, the Christian one would be made be made of dirt. You know. Yeah, yeah. Made of dirt, and to dust we will return. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're beautiful. Yeah, and totally. That's awesome. That's really good. And so and and then so that in regards to um to Christ's view of culture, I suppose, and you feel free to expand on this. Yeah. Um when we're looking around at culture, we can we can get that we don't have to be afraid of it. No. Um in fact, we can see with those god kind of Kind of with that that God's eye view mm. that use the plastic bag is beautiful. Mm. Um, we can see what in whatever kind of torn up and, and yeah. broken way so culture is going. We can see the face of God in that too. We can see the image of God and yeah, uh, and and like we sing it. I, I love. It's funny. I, I do love worship lyrics to a degree because we sing them all the time. And they actually become part of, of how we live. So like right. we sing, you know, break my heart for what's bra- what breaks yeah. yours. You know, open up my eyes to the things unseen. Yeah. Right, and I think that's totally like. We, we, I see that lyric as, God, show me what you see, you know? I don't want to see, what, you know, my own judgments of, of a situation. I don't, I don't want to have to look at the situation and just be like, you know, this is gross, you know, or this is wrong. I want to know how, how does God see this, right? Because God created it, you know? There's got to be some merit to the fact that even, even those horrible things even that you know frozen person on the side of the road that he talks about in that film yeah you know god created this world and so like how does he see that and we're and and then we're we're given that opportunity to to uh not just um and i was talking about this with danny in the in the last podcast yeah but not not to just realize the kingdom like in Mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of in terms of making it and building it but realize the kingdom in the other sense of that term that it's already it's here. here yeah like it's at hand yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh that's pretty cool man okay well since 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 uh you know some people and on this podcast in included 
um, have called you a heretic hey. or have it seems that there's no uh, bounds to the amount of oh what, what was it Jordan Schroeder was reading your, your column in the Mars Hill I am Cam and he, yeah, he yeah. says uh, um, well let's take another another look, another look at, at our, we, our weekly dose of heresy right heretic yeah, weekly from yeah. so since since let's see what, where are we at well, we're at 35 minutes so um, we'll spend an extra long time on heresy because cool. I know that's something that you're passionate about and that's yeah, something yeah. That this podcast wanted to uh, unfold, sure. bring to the surface sure. the heresies. Mm. So what's your heresy, Cam? My heresy is universalism. Uh, Straight up. We're gonna get, All right, we're getting into this. Yeah. Um, and I have other heresies, but I think, I, think, I think universalism is a good one, not because I'm certain of it and not because I've decided that that's like what I believe or what I am, but I, I love the concept. Um, and I love the concept way more than, you know, the other side. Eternal conscious torment or annihilation. Exactly. Annihilation, it torment. Do it for I you. can't I can't see it. I can't I can't see You can't see it personally or you can't see it biblically or both? Both. Yeah. Both. Philosophically, I don't understand I don't understand God's reasoning yeah. with that, right? Yeah. If if God sees us as beautiful, if God is truly transforming us, why can't he transform all of us? Yeah. Does he not have that power? Yeah. Right? Um, philosophically, that just doesn't line up for me to to say that God just chose not to. Yeah, you know, God left it in our hands. I think you know we're that little bag. We don't. Have, there's a point at which people don't have a choice to encounter Christ the way I have in my life. Yeah, they just don't, and I, I'm not convinced that we can, you know, be comfortable in our hearts with being, you know, them just. They're damned, you That's, know. I, and that that really really speaks to me. I and I I've you know we've all dabbled in universalism. Yeah, at some yeah, point yeah, in yeah. Our lives. Um, I th- I think, and I grew up Calvinist. So yeah. Podcast listeners know this, and so. That's always been the stumbling block to me. Hmm. I love, 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 love a doctrine of a God who's all powerful yeah. and who uh, bypasses free will. And to be honest, yeah. I think if it were up to me at the end of the day, I would not be in the wonderful hands of God that I'm in. <laughs> it was a kicking and screaming process, right? And <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel yeah. like that, that's very much. Yeah. So, so it's like. Yeah, like I was dragged, I was I was forced into it. Yeah, <laughs> like and and I'm so glad that I was looking back. Mm-hmm. But if it were up to me, I would have said like, "Screw you, I'm never coming back." A long time ago. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, you know, there was a lot of softening of my heart and a lot of uh, choices that I had to make and a lot of breakthroughs that come from um, realizing that I do have choice and that I do have will and that I do have volition. And these mm-hmm. are all very important mm-hmm. things. Uh, so that's not to negate any of that, but, but the comfort being fundamentally, we're a plastic bag and God <laughs> is in control. I think that's a beautiful yeah. sentiment. Yeah. You, if you can see that through the eyes of faith. So, um, so given that, um, that, uh, yeah, universalism seems like the only viable option. Mm-hmm. Either, either it's up to us. Um, and and therefore, you know, like as Paul says, you know, it's not up to you, so no one can boast, right? Yeah. But but either either it is up to us ultimately, mm-hmm. right? Or um, or it's it is ultimately up to God, and God's intentionally leaving some people behind, and uh, and that just seems irreconcilable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so challenge to you though, um, the free will defense is pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Alvin Plantinga. He, <laughs> oh, Plantinga. <laughs> he, oh man. He's made the the the. The, he has solved the logical problem of evil, sure. which is God is all powerful. God is 
all uh, perfectly good and evil exists in the world. Yeah. You solve this problem of yeah. evil with the free will defense. And I'm not talking problem of evil when yeah. I talk universalism. I'm, I'm talking this is the doc- like the whole doctrine of you know salvation, which is arguably the most important doctrine in you know Christian theology. At its core, holds that God only chose some of us. Yeah. And do we really believe that we're all equally sinners? Right. And if so, if we're all equal, you know, if we're all ju- equally made in, in the image of God and equally screwed up. Why would God only choose some of us? Okay. So for the free will, free will defense, I guess planning out doesn't touch on this specifically. No. But it has good implications. Sure. Free will, uh, Arminianism, properly understood, yeah. is not. Uh, look at me. I, I decided rationally at one point <laughs> in my life that I'm good enough for God and I'm going... That's that's a that's no. not true. Arminianism holds God brings all people to yeah. this sort of state of optimal grace, to this, yeah. to this, yeah. to this yeah. level playing field. And at that point, we have to make yeah. a choice. And then we, yeah. so we, we are able to make the choice. So it is still all God's grace that brings us to that point, mm-hmm. but then he says, now choose. You know, mm-hmm. we're, mm-hmm. All, we're all bound in... Yeah. in prisons exactly. and the lord opens the gate right. takes our chains off and says come cool. follow me yeah. and whereas calvinism would say you know we're we're drowning god reaches out and pulls us out that's right yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good that's a good picture yeah. and specifically doesn't pull out other people yeah exactly just, but he's all powerful so why wouldn't he <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so but 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 speak to the the the, the free will defense then because i think i feel like that's the the best case that can be made for eternal consciousness yeah. that's the case lewis makes more or less, um, um, it, at some level, you know, there. Okay, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. There are those at the end of time mm. who will say to God, "Your will be done." Yeah. And there are those at the end of time to whom God will say, "Your will be done." And those are the two. And that's how He saves us from eternal. Uh, saves us from. Mm-hmm. That's how He saves the doctrine of eternal torment or yeah. annihilation yeah. against the universalists. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think okay, free will. So. My biggest problem with the free will argument is that I don't think that we as humans have been granted with the adequate knowledge or ability to acquire knowledge um, in order to properly make that decision, in order to actually be informed enough to make that choice. Um, It's like we're little kids and, you know, God's left the burner on. Who's this? Let's cite our sources. Is this Talbot or, uh, or what's her name? Marilyn Adams. Okay. Yes, Adams. It's Adams. Adams, yes. right? God's left the burner on. Yeah. You know, we're not smart enough to not touch the burner. You know, we might do it. We're, pro- yeah. we're probably going to do it because we're curious. We're stupid. So God, right? he hasn't left the burner on, but he's left the, the kitchen in such a way that there's these shiny knobs. Sure. And he says, don't touch the knobs yeah. or you'll die in the lake of eternal exactly. torment. Yeah. yeah. And we're just not, you know, he hasn't created us, I don't think, in a way that we're smart enough to make that choice especially i just look at some people's situations you know you know look at look at someone who's decided that they have to be a satanist i i have a friend i had a friend in high school who who you know identified as a satanist or a paganist or you know he kind of went through those those um kind of stages and if he listens to this he knows who he is i love this guy yeah um and what was what was cool about that but also kind of depressing about it was like he just, he got to the point where he, he realized it didn't really matter, you know? Um, he can't, you can't know about God, you know, he had decided. You, you can't, 
we don't know ab- enough about him and yeah. and if we and based on what I know now I don't like him you know if he's mm-hmm. if he's there I don't like him if he's the reason that this exactly. trauma happened to exactly me. and I think that's a fair assessment to make we can you know make our philosophical arguments about free will we can make our philosophical uh, arguments about why the problem of evil is solved um, but when it comes down to it like if you look at it from a certain angle like God didn't do what he could have done according to, you know, general Christian theology. Right. If God is all powerful. And and we're either right in saying that's wrong, you know, or we're so stupid that we can't actually make the right choice. Mm-hmm. We're so we're so not equipped to understand the divine. How are we ever going to be able to say no, God is the the way that, you know, the only way, you know? Christ is the way, the truth, and life. How are, how are we supposed to get to the point where we can actually know enough to, to decide that, right? I mean, I feel like I've gotten to that point because I've gotten all of the right circumstances ha- ha- have happened to me, right. right? I've fallen into the right places. I, I had a church upbringing. I had parents yeah. who loved me and who, who taught me the scriptures, and I, I had great teachers and professors who explained to me yeah. why this makes sense philosophically, yeah. why yeah. Um, we can trust what we read, the bi- read in the Bible, yeah. like, and, and why sometimes we don't want to historically trust what we read in the Bible, right? Um, but if you were born in Iran, you would have been a Muslim. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and so, and so given that, you know, God must, God must be able to, uh, or given, so, so essentially, essentially it, it isn't fair. Hmm. It isn't fair that you and I have been given this, and I don't think it's and I don't think it's unfair for us to say it isn't fair. You right. know, people will be like, "Oh, stop whining!" Right. You know, this is the way God's Paul, created Paul it. Paul will say in Romans nine, he'll yeah. say he'll say he makes some pots for noble purposes and some pots for ignoble purposes. Yeah, uh, quit whining about it. He's God. That's the worst. <laughs> Shut though. your mouth. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear that. You know. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. why would God do that? Yeah. You know, and those are fair questions yeah. to ask. Yeah. We, we yeah. should not be afraid of asking that because if we do believe that God is all-knowing, if we do believe that God is all-powerful and all-loving, yeah. then we should not be afraid to ask those questions. Yeah, that's good. God can take it. God can take like it, that. you know? Yeah, and I, I am confident that I can ask those questions and be confused about those things and yeah. still worship him. Yeah. You know, still that's say, awesome. in, in the end, I know I have this relationship with you. Yeah. Um, in the end, I know that Christ died whether whether metaphorically whether there was actually some you know theological propitiation thing that occurred there you know whether whether it was just because he was a good example and a good prophet like some you know other religions would say christ did something right christ made a difference he you know even christianity i I was reading this article about how christianity kind of shaped um sexual morality um coming out of this idea where where you know people just take advantage of their slaves and that's how they kind of got off yeah, sexually wow. and it actually became something that was really important and intrinsic to living yeah. a good moral life oh man that's was a huge to, part of the new testament yeah was to, to uphold a, yeah was to uphold a sexual morality yeah. and that was that was a, a a marker for for christianity and that really changed the way we you know went about sexuality and went to get about morality in general how we saw people um christ has totally changed how people are seen um, and, and I think that, that Christian philosophy has changed that as well. Um, <clears throat> so I like I I think he's totally the savior, you know. 
yeah, I have a relationship so, with him. I love him. Yeah. But so whether I, or not it's true, yeah. it's true. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Like, like whether, like you're saying, you know, we could talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, a literal resurrection. Oh, we yeah. Talk about all, like, we can explore all these things. But, but all that doesn't matter next to, you know, I have a relationship with him. Yeah. It, this stuff works. Yeah, he did like, something, you yeah, know? Something, okay, yeah. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have the freedom that I have. Yeah. Or I wouldn't have... And so it's just sort of a... Uh, it isn't a scientific evidence, but there's subjective evidence. No, and like... And like I said before when we were at the bar, like, sometimes I just don't like theology because I think theology misses the point. Theology, it, it doesn't doesn't necessarily see what's important about the scriptures, about who Christ was. It, it, it turns Christ into this idea, you know, Christ into um, a role to be filled in the Trinity. And not, and it, it, it strays away from who was Christ as a person? You know, who, who was Jesus to the people around him? Who is Jesus to me, right? There's a real relationship thing. And, and as much as I love, you know, religion and, and I love this concept of, even ritual and like we do this because we we love a god you know we yeah. do this to show our affection to show our devotion um i think if we get too caught up in theology we forget you know our relationship mm. we forget what christ called us to do which was love one another period <laughs> that's it you know every all the all you know the yeah. commandments yeah. and the prophets can be summed up in this one commandment that you love one another yeah right yeah and that's it yeah that's good that's a good heresy and that's a good critique of uh, theology mm. um, yeah historical critical that's awesome I think yeah. we got it cool um, unless you have any final final thoughts maybe I'll start a new a new thing after the, the heresy I'll say um, something like what's your what's your sign off what do you want what do you want what's one thing you want to leave people with you know what's I think it ties the room together. I think it's been it's been a tough year for me, um, and just speaking my mind, and people kind of twisting it, and not their fault to twist it, but people coming at things with their own preconceptions and thinking, "Oh, he's totally off his rocker." Cam, the, Cam right? Heretic, exactly. How can I and prove him. And let's and and I think that that's kind of we that's part of the problem is let's not let's not look at you know propositions that someone's making theologically but let's let's see how we can love one another you know let's wow. see how is this person loving people have i interacted with him and how did i feel wow. you know and god knows that i've screwed up in my interactions with certain people and i you know just can be a total dick sometimes yeah. but i i'm trying my hardest all the time to really apply this theology of love yeah. to to my life and that's what's most important that i think i think that's what mo- was most important to christ that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is what it all comes down to, and it's love. Yeah. Love God, love your neighbor, uh, even if they're a heretic. Yeah. Especially if they're a heretic. And learn to see the beauty in things that we won't wouldn't necessarily see beauty in. That's so good. Thank you so much, Cam. Dude, this no worries. A killer episode. It was fun. Awesome. And hey. we'll probably have you on again sometime. Absolutely. Please. Cool. Thanks.